Hi, everybody, and Straight Talk listeners. Dean Chris with you this week. Got a great lineup this week. We're going to be talking about life lessons from the classroom. We just finished the Master Presenter course in Greer, South Carolina. What a great experience. We actually heard some lessons that really inspired us this week and, and really inspired the entire classroom. And I, I just thought they were so good that I couldn't pass up the opportunity to kind of retell them a little bit and give you kind of a focus on what they talked about, what they learned and what they've learned about leadership. So I really think you're going to enjoy this episode. It's called Life Lessons from the Classroom, the Master Presenter Course. As we always say, set back, turn up the volume, get ready to change your life. Hi, I'm Dean Chris. Welcome to Straight Talk on Leadership. This is what we'd like to say is the no BS zone, where we give you leadership tips, ideas, and practical suggestions to help you become a top leadership performer. Our goal is simple, help you become the best version of yourself and reach your highest potential as a leader. So sit back, turn up the volume, be ready to change your life. Hi, everybody. Dean Chris, Straight Talk on Leadership. So glad to be in the studio this week and do the podcast. We really want to, first of all, before we get started, thank all of you who have joined us and all of you have joined the Straight Talk on Leadership family and the Straight Talk uh, podcast. We, we, we just really appreciate that. We've been watching our numbers go up. We've been watching our viewership and our folks who are podcast subscribers go up and you know, we couldn't do this without you. And we just want to continue the message of doing anything that we can do to add value to your life as a leader. And what can we do? And every week we ask ourselves, what can we do on the podcast that's really going to add value? And we just don't throw together stuff and where we just simply say, well, let's do that topic and let's do that topic. Let's do that topic. What we actually do on Straight Talk on Leadership is we got to be inspired to do the topic. We got to feel like it's something that makes a difference to you. And one of the ways we judge that is, is does it make a difference to us? Does it really add value to the things that we do? And so this week's uh, episode, I'm going to be joined again by Kelly Corvin, who actually took the master presenter course again. Uh, she actually just, uh, she was part of the classroom, but she also has this her second go around with it. And Kelly, I got to say, I was so impressed with uh, watching you do your presentations this week and really being a part of the classroom. And I really do thank you for that. And I'm glad to have you on the podcast. Well, thanks, Dean. I think it's, um, I, I can't say enough about the master leadership class. Yes, it is a presentation class, but it really has so many leadership lessons woven in it, not just from you as the instructor, but you learn from your other participants, lessons that they're learning along their journey as a leader. And I think I likened it to you in a text message at some point in the last couple of days that it's almost like those old church camps you'd go to where you don't know really what to expect until you're there. And then all of a sudden you really get it. You're like, wow, this is life changing. This is really something that is worth the five days that you take off of work because it's going to change your leadership in such a dramatic way, not only of yourself, but of your people and in the organization. I think that's what we saw this week in some of these stories you're going to bring up. Oh, oh yeah. I mean, it, it was, uh, 
you, you know, we used to call it master presenter, but now we've really actually changed it to be master leadership and presenter, where we understand that any person who's going to be in a leadership role is also going to be in a pre presentation role. And they're going to be doing presentations rather than small groups or bigger groups or one-on-ones or whatever it is. And what we try to do is to help you communicate through the, the presentation skill set, but we focus really, really heavy on a deep dive into leadership. Matter of fact, I really think honestly, and I'm, I, I, you know, I've, I've seen a lot of courses, I've developed a lot of courses, I've taken a lot of courses, but I really believe this is one of the most comprehensive dives into leadership. And you know, we're going to be showing some uh, testimonials, if you will, from folks in the classroom that actually talked about when they came in on Monday, they were one way. And then when they left on Friday, they were totally different in a good way. And their lives had been changed because of their introspective view, but not only their introspective view, but because they've actually put uh, practice to the presentation and the leadership and all those things. So it's, it's just a really good week. It's uh, one of my favorite weeks of all the things that I'm able to teach and fortunate enough and lucky enough to teach is that it really, you really see, it's almost like on Monday, you see this person come into the room and then Friday, they're totally different when they walk out. And I, and I mean, I love that. You can't beat that. So I, I appreciate that. I really was impressed with uh, the stuff you did this week and how your presentation skill sets have stepped to that next level. And not only that, the leadership stuff. And so I, re I really do appreciate that. And what we're going to do today's lesson uh, or the today's podcast is going to be about life lessons from the classroom. And, you know, we did that in, in one of our other earlier uh, master presenter courses because the stories that people tell just grab you by the heart, you know, and they grab you by the brain. That's the thing that makes this work. You know, it's kind of this head heart combination of leadership and understanding stories that, you know, and, and they talk about things that they faced and uh, things that they've learned. It, it's just amazing. Absolutely. And, and you know, we literally, I was sitting there just, we, we just had moments this week where you were like, seriously, that is like some of the best stuff I've ever heard in my life. You know, we talked about, and, and in this course, we talk about, you know, putting people at the, you know, the center of your leadership. And, and a lot of people put task at the center of their leadership or whatever that is. And, you know, I sent you that quote earlier this morning. Yes. And it basically said, if you want to make leadership a noble profession, then the simple way to do it is to put people at the center of your leadership, not you. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that is so true. Uh, this thing of leadership is difficult to do. It's hard to do. It's challenging at moments. And it just there's there's just days when it's really tough. But if you want to make it really a noble, noble profession, put people at the center of it. And it's crazy how that is so true, you know, yeah. and, and you, you know, and then this week was really kind of one of those weeks where we really discovered that with people, you know. And so uh, in this class, we had folks from uh, in the South Carolina area and uh, we were really pleased to uh, have them drive over. And uh, we had a couple of them, uh, several of them stay in and we, we really appreciate them putting the time and the effort and, and coming to the course. It's not easy to do that, but they made the decision that they wanted to develop themselves to that next level. Right. And um, I mean, I think they succeeded in doing that. 
Absolutely. We had this week, we had a special person who took our course and all, every one of them were special, but this week we didn't, we don't normally get politicians and the leaders of cities in the uh, class. And we actually had the mayor of Greer, Rick Danner was in the course, took it the entire week, did not miss one minute. Uh, this is something that I'd love to pass along to all of you who think you're really busy. Try to run in a city of 35,000 people. That's the fastest growing city in the state of South Carolina and try to run a business and make all those calls and make all those decisions and do all those things. And then you decide you want to take the time to do personal development right. when he was at the end of his career in terms of he just retired. He did. In, uh, in the bank, yeah. Yeah. So he had a hundred reasons not to take this course, but, uh, he came to the course and, uh, uh, wow, what a, what an impact he had on us too, in terms of just his life experiences and things that he shared. And that's kind of stuff you get in these classes. You get people that, you know, you, the ones that, you know, have had these jobs that have really been kind of, uh, tough and where they've learned a lot of lessons. Then you get people that you wouldn't think have had those type of experiences and man, they tell them in these classrooms and, they share them and and we learn about them. We're like, oh my goodness, how, how compelling yeah, and, that was. And I think it was great <laughs> to have Rick in there for another reason too, is that most of the rest of the class had been in an appointed position. They had been um, appointed to their position. And so they weren't used to, even though their jobs are always political, especially when you're in law enforcement, it was it was really great to have that dynamic of having Rick in there to see it from another perspective of the politician side, the um, elected official, and the you know head, the chief executive, if you will, of a community. And I think that also enlightened a lot of people just on that side of it that they may not have thought about before. Yeah, and, and, and you know, Rick and I are friends, and we've been friends for many many years. And to have him in the classroom. Uh, was just really special. It was good. And all the people there, we had Rainbow County Sheriff's Office of Coney County. We had Silva Police Department in there. Richmond County, Georgia. Richmond uh, County, Marcus yeah. We had some really, uh, you know, a lot of folks in there that really added value to everything that we did. And that's what we want to do on this podcast is to add value to you. And we learned a lot of things. And I'm going to share some of those stories with you about how they impacted me. And I'm going to start off with... Uh, you know, the one I'm going to say is called to service. Yes. And uh, I actually had an opportunity to witness this story firsthand, yes, uh, but did. I didn't know it from Rick's perspective. But uh, Mayor Danner told the story of how he was into the landscaping business and he had owned the landscaping business where he was busy all the time. And he had been doing it for many years and it was a successful business. He actually had a retail site and he had to work you know, six, 60, 70, 80 hours a week, which of course all entrepreneurs do that. They work and how, uh, you know, he was just uh, working all the time in this particular Saturday was opening day of baseball. And uh, I can remember, uh, you know, Rick was talking about that particular day and he was at work and he didn't know what was going on. And his son who they live right downtown Greer, which is right near and every, uh, opening day of baseball in Greer, they do this parade where they uh, get all the little teams together in their uniforms and they walk up and down the streets, you know, and then go to the ball field and have this ceremony and, uh, you know, 
drink Cokes and eat ice cream and be little boys and girls when it comes to baseball and softball and do all that stuff. Yeah. And my boys were there and Rick was there and, uh, you know, Rick wasn't there. He was actually work, but his son, uh, we were gathering together for the parade down near the first Baptist church, which was across a, uh, you know, kind of a busy street, a four lane kind of street. And, uh, Rick's got a son named Jacob and Jacob was so excited to go to the parade and to be a part with his teammates and all that stuff, you know, and, so he wanted to go ahead of his mom and he had convinced his mom to let him go down and run down to the uh, First Baptist Church, which was literally only about less than 100 yards or so from his house. Right across the street, pretty much. Yeah. So Jacob comes down and uh, as he gets ready to, you know, and, and like Rick said, you tell all your kids look both ways. And he did. He looked both ways. He looked to the right and looked to the left. And then he started across the road. Well, what he had really misjudged was there was a truck coming by and he judged the actual distance between the, uh, uh, you know, it was an 18 wheeler truck that was coming by and he misjudged the distance between the front of the cab and the back. And he stepped right out uh, after that front of the truck had moved towards and he stepped right out and was caught by the rear wheel of the truck. Mm-hmm. And this truck's going about 40 miles an hour, 18 wheeler. And that thing just literally picks him up and throws him 30 feet into the air and uh when he gets thrown across the way he obviously gets pretty serious injuries it cracks his pelvis it cracks his femur cracks his head it gives him road rash breaks his arm he just it was just horrible and uh so rita's still at the house and everybody's rushing to help jacob and somebody i think it was his brother runs up there and gets rita comes down and there's jacob i mean he is literally i mean almost dying right there in front of everybody and it was all the kids it was just a really tough scene and i remember being there and actually the sheriff of greenville county now hobart lewis was a traffic officer for us at greer at the time and he was there he got there really quickly uh a matter of fact i think he was leading the parade to be honest with you and uh so we were all there and and rita was just really I mean, as you can imagine, any mother to be really upset. Well, Rick didn't know it yet. And Rick, actually, somebody come uh, screeching into the the store where he was and uh, came and got him. And then they went uh, straight to the hospital and the ambulance met him there. And and man, Jacob was in head injuries and he was just in a really, really bad way. Uh, And then we had an officer who stayed with their family uh, Hobart Lewis, matter of fact, stayed with them until late that night. And then we had an officer that stayed with them because our community was very tight knit. Rick was not the mayor at the time. Rick was, uh, he wasn't in public service. We knew Rick, he was friends of ours, but he was not the mayor, but we felt like it was necessary for somebody to liaison with their family. And we did, we had that, we provided that service for him and their family. And then Rick talks about how the next days were really, really tough on him and his wife on, you know, not knowing and, you know, all the uncertainty and that stuff. And then when they finally were able to bring Jacob, Jacob survived. And when they finally, uh, well, what they actually, when they came that night, came back home, they found flowers and food and gifts and cards on their front porch was just packed. And then 
you know, they were just overwhelmed by the community support. And then the next day, same thing again, flowers and food and cards. And matter of fact, uh, we'd made up a baseball uniform with his, and everybody had signed it and they, you know, dedicated the opening day to him and just all that stuff. And then, then the next day, the same thing, cards and flowers and all that stuff. And, and Rick tells the story about how that moment right there, he was really looking for something to change his life and give him direction, you know, and he knew that he wanted to do something to help. But then he realized at that moment, he got this sudden call to service to help the community. And he realized at that moment that his life had been changed forever. And so as a result of that, it wasn't a couple of years later, he ran for mayor and he's been mayor 21 years in Greer. Just a, created a great thing there and took it to that next level. And, yep. and uh, Rick is just, his footprints all over that community with the way they've developed the community and the, the, just the, the, the spirit of the community kind of reflects his easygoing kind of, uh, you know, just a, just a great community. And he tells that story about how that was his his call into service, you know. And I, I think the, the thing I'd like to, you know, talk to our viewers and our and our people who are listening on the podcast to understand from that is that you can have like one of the most difficult times of your life, which was what he was facing. And one of the things he was talking about was, all right, now I'm moving. What do I do to get back? And a lot of us have had those moments where. Uh, we'll make a donation or we'll, you know, we'll uh, do something which is, is, is uh, substantial. I don't mean that, you yeah, know, jump making a donation. Mm -hmm. I don't mean that it's not, but uh, what, what he'll do, I mean, to decide to run for mayor and then serve 21 years, that's pretty substantial. Wouldn't you think? Absolutely. And so I, I just think that that story really told me about, no matter what's going on in your life, no matter what's happening, you can find a way to make good out of it. You yeah. know, you can find a way to turn something that seems so awful into something that really can make a major, major difference. So, I, I mean, I really like that. I thought that was his story of call to service was 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 outstanding. It was captivating. Really, it was. It was very good. Um, he's a great storyteller by nature. Um, which is one thing that you have everyone practice in this class on, but it's stories like that, that you don't really realize what the impact is on the, the listeners until it, you may never really realize it. But um, I, it certainly impacted me to just have a better perspective on him and to understand kind of where, where his call to service had come from. Yeah. I mean, that, that, that was a great story. And then, we had Doug in there who Doug from oh, Richland, yeah. Augusta, Georgia was in there. And Doug was talking about, you, you have to understand Doug was kind of like one of these real linear kind of thinkers. He's a guy that was in the class that kind of sees everything. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, like that. And it's hard for him to break that pattern. But when you heard his story about, you know, staying focused and how he did it during a period of his life, I thought it was very captivating. So his story goes a little bit like this. He was, uh, I think it was three years ago in 2017 or 18. He's riding a motorcycle. Uh, and he's one of those guys that when he rides a motorcycle, he rides a motorcycle. He had a helmet on, 
but he got caught between the concrete barrier and a car and he was actually hit at about 80 miles an hour and he hit the concrete barrier and you know i don't have to tell you that first when i saw him he shows zero signs of being hit by a car and a motorcycle at 80 miles an hour he didn't really i didn't notice a limp i didn't really notice uh, anything going on with him and uh you know he just looked normal but when you start hearing the fact that he broke literally every bone in his body as a result of this he was unconscious for seven days and they literally opened his stomach up and left him open for like four days because they knew they were going to have to go back in and and forth right. to find where the bleeding was broke his pelvis femur knee ankles i mean just it was crazy and i think the the thing i got from doug which when you hear these stories they're very captivating you know and they're and they're very very much they make an impact but the thing i think his perspective on it was kind of crazy he was talking about he said that he realized that he had a very long road ahead of him mm-hmm. and when you think about it learning how to eat again mm-hmm. learning how to feed yourself again you know, that right there, going from being a police officer, doing everything you want to do in life, walking upright, talking, I mean, everything going on. And all of a sudden, you find yourself completely helpless. He had to have someone feed him, help him go to the restroom, all that stuff. And he said the one thing that he kept focused on was the fact that he knew he was going to get himself back, even though they told him he probably wasn't going to walk, probably wasn't going to do this, probably wasn't going to do that. But he just hung in there and he just stayed focused. Let's take a short break from the show and we'll be right back. Hi, Straight Talk listeners. This is Kelly Corvin. I know many of you have asked for coaching from Dean and approach him about getting ready for promotionals. Well, we have a great opportunity for you. Starting April 9th, his virtual class, The Business of Leadership, is really going to give you those tools to be ready for that next promotion and to be ready to take your leadership to the next level. Be sure to check it out at our website, www.lhln.org. You'll learn from one of the top leadership influencers and the host of Straight Talk on Leadership. Don't miss it. Hey, Straight Talk listeners, this is Kelly Corvin, Director of Business Development here at LHLN, just wanting to highlight one of our signature courses, Intentional Leadership. Many of you have taken that class, but many of you have not. And I just wanted to let you know that it is two and a half days of action-packed next-level leadership development. I don't care where you are on your journey. You can be starting out as a supervisor or at the executive level. You will learn the new way to lead in the 21st century from one of the top leadership influencers, Dean Crisp. Learn more about that class or request to host a class at www.lhln.org. I mean, that was crazy. Well, and I think that is like a living testimony to what you talk about on mindset. I don't know that I would have had that strength of will. 
um, to wake up like he did in a hospital and know that you can't even move. You know, you can't move your head, you can't move your arms, you can't move your, and you told all that stuff that requires quite a determination of will that not a lot of people have, you know, that is a mindset shift that he had to find internally to say, I'm going to, I'm going to make this happen. You know, how many of us were faced with little things? Exactly. I think like just the small things that happened to us during the day. And, and what I took from that is, wow, we take so many things during the day that may happen to us that are, we think are really difficult. And in comparison to what some people are dealing with, just learning how to eat again, give me a break. I mean, we, we, it shows what you can do when you dig really deep inside yourself, you know, and he didn't want to do that for sure. But, you know, his choice was he could have, uh, you know, just retired from that. Uh, the doctors gave him papers to uh, medically retire from law enforcement. Uh, but here he is back in the game, teaching, instructing and making an impact. Uh, not, you know, not setting down. He just refused to to lay down. And I think that is like, you know, it. it's almost like that. I love that story. It says, you know, if you're knocked down seven, get up eight. And that's kind of like his story reminded me, you know, when you're knocked down seven, get up eight, you know, and, and I was just that one for me was like, OK, all right, here we go. I, I see where this is going with him. He's got a determination to make things happen. And you saw it later in the week, too, when he talked yes. about, you know, being up three o'clock, four o'clock in the morning and working on his presentations. And, you know, we're not telling you that you're going to have to stay up three or four o'clock in the morning to do the presentation for this class. But he wanted his to be so compelling and good that he woke up early and he started working on it, you know, and he didn't just go back to bed. And, and it, you see that determination in people. I just admired that. I mean, I, I don't know that I would have the wherewithal to, to do that. So I was very impressed with yeah. Just listening, the strength of determination, you know, how that really matters. Then you, then you have Justin. Oh, yeah. Uh, we'll move on to Justin's story. Now, Justin from Ocon Oconee County came up and was talking about when he was a young boy. He was in his closet. Uh, and they were playing around at home and they used to shoot guns at each other and they used to like to quick draw and all that stuff. And, and you could kind of tell where the story was going, but you didn't know, like, exactly the details of the story you know you knew it was going to kind of go in a direction but you didn't know where it was going to go but when you start talking about kids and guns you're almost like okay here we go this is not going to end well and so he was talking about uh, i forget if it was his cousin playing in the closet and got out the one of the pistols of their uncles and uh, he had them hanging up on the in the closet you know and for those of you who are across the country and say, oh, my gosh, people should be locking their guns up and do all this stuff. Well, listen, in the South, 25, 30, 40 years ago, everybody's got pistols laying around. Not saying it's the greatest thing in the world to do, but it's just a fact of life, you know. And so and they were told <clears throat> by the uncle and they were told by the parents, don't ever touch a gun, man. We ever touch catch you touching these guns. We're going to light you up. You know, they were told that. But kids will be kids. and. So one of his cousins um, decided to get the gun and quick draw. And when he did, he cocked the hammer back, fired the weapon, 
and it goes right through his left hand between the thumb and, and the first finger. And when it does, it just shatters all of that, almost literally amputates it and knocks it off. And he's, you know, he passes out and all the kids run, <laughs> which is, which I thought, well, that's pretty true of how that's going to happen. So he runs, they run, he's in the closet bleeding and he gets enough. He wakes up and gets enough presence about himself, which says a lot about him and goes and gets a towel. And the first one doesn't work. Second one didn't work. Third towel finally works. He wraps around his arm. He starts running out and he has to actually walk to the, to his uncle's house, which is down the street because nobody's there. And he finds his grandmother down there or his grandmother comes running up because some of the kids had come and told her that they'd got shot him. And you can imagine all the chaos going on. Well, instead of running back and jumping in the truck and taking him, he, he laughed about the joke. And I, I mean, he told the joke and I thought it was funny. He did tell a joke right in the middle. <laughs> well, he said that his grandmother, instead of jumping in the truck, and taking him to the hospital, she said she wasn't going nowhere without her purse. She runs back <laughs> in the house to get her purse. Get he her goes, you give it in you po- your pocketbooks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so, he gets the pocketbook or she gets the pocketbook and they go to the hospital and now starts this journey of surgeries. He has like these, you know, three or four surgeries within the short, very period of time. They tell him this hand is going to be immobile. You're never going to really use it again. Now here's a guy who's in law enforcement, been in law enforcement the last 12 or 13, 14 years. Uh, I don't know if you, and every one of you know this, who's listening in the podcast land that are in law enforcement uh, you generally can't be a one-armed cop or a one-handed cop. It generally takes two just because of all the job responsibilities and stuff that you have to do and all that stuff. Now, uh, so it doesn't mean you can't be in the field of law enforcement, but actual road deputy stuff, it's kind of makes it a little right. difficult. Right. And uh, But he's been a cop for 12 years. And the reason he's been a cop for 12 years is because when during his rehab, now this is a nine-year-old boy that he had a, I guess it was a, a a figure in his life. And I would call these Mount Rushmore people. Mm-hmm. He had a Mount Rushmore therapist who told him, if you don't move those hands, if you don't keep that left hand moving and constantly work it, you'll never be able to use it. And he said at the point where he couldn't even really close his hand or open his hand, it was just like dead hand, you know? And he had this therapist who was working with him who just kept telling him, you've got to keep moving. You keep. have to keep that hand moving. And so Justin talks about in there how his whole life during that whole rehab, he did not want to keep that hand moving. And honestly, when you look at him, you really can't tell. Him. It's like the surgeons and whatever happened and what they fixed is amazing. And you really can't tell he's got that, that that even happened. Right. But the moral to his story was you got to keep moving, which falls in line with, uh, you know, um, what's his name's right before it, Doug's. Falls in line with Doug's story about you got to keep moving. You know, you cannot stop. Even when you have right. those things happen to you, you got to keep moving. And so he talked and, and to see him today, you know, is just an amazing thing to it's just excellent. Thank you for listening to Straight Talk on Leadership with Dean Crisp. Make sure you like and subscribe to the podcast so that you don't miss an episode. You can go to www.lhln.org to find upcoming classes where you can book Dean for his new class. And you can also check out his new book, Essential Leadership Lessons from the Thin Blue Line. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.